Jesus is mine. Praise the Lord. Thank him for that. I love how the, our ladies put the words to the song they're playing for the offertory up on the screen. As you know, sometimes it makes me come up here and have a sing it when it's been done. Sometimes I don't. But that is just so rich to be able to, to not just sit there and kind of veg out during songs being played, but actually to know what's being played and think about words that have meaning of the songs that are being played and to meditate on those. Just another way of, of worshiping without words, without our words being expressed, but thinking on those and concentrating on those. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 6 as we continue our study of this great epistle of the Apostle Paul, looking at what he is saying about our lives and who we are and where we are in our walk with him. This, this, is a, this chapter 6 is an important chapter. We spent a lot of time on verses 1 through 14. Because we needed to get a grasp of all the Apostle is saying. Now, verses 15 through 23 is the Apostle Paul saying the same thing in just a little different way, if you will. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing that chapter 1, I mean chapter 6, verse 1, starts in much the same way as chapter 6, verse 15 does. For 1 says, what shall we say then? And in 15 he says, well, what then? Based on what I've talked about here, how you have been baptized with Christ, you've been crucified with Him, you have been united with Him in His resurrection, you, you have died to the old life, you have died to sin and been raised to newness of life and living unto God, don't let sin reign in your mortal body, don't let it control you and rule over you, don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. I mean, he goes on and on to talk about the significance and the importance and the reality of a drastic change that has taken place in a believer's life. And in verses 1 through 14, he's, he's basically talking about our baptism, the significance of our baptism, the, 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 the beauty of the symbol, symbolism of our baptism. And now he's going to come back and talk about again our life and who we are in Christ Jesus. I want to give you some bad news this morning. And, and I understand that we don't like bad news. We, we like good news. We like... We like things that are uplifting. We like to feel better. And so when I say I'm going to give you some bad news, we, we tend to think that, well, you know, haven't you given us enough? You've talked about all men are sinners and, and in need of, of Christ. And, and we've dealt with chapter 1 and chap, through chapter 3 that talks about no one seeks after God. They're all sinners. But no one really wants to trust Him. It takes His work. How much more bad news can you get? Well, this is bad news that quite honestly in our culture today is really bad news. It's really not wanted to be understood or to be heard. Because you see, we live in a day of liberty. We live in a day where freedom and liberty is the highest of, of, the, uh, 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 of things that are to be desired and to be sought and to be experienced. I mean, we, we talk about living in a free country and we talk about living with, with the Statue of Liberty guarding the harbor in New York City that that says, come and be, be free in America. And we, we just value liberty and value freedom above everything else. 
But I want to tell you today, it's bad news. The point of what Paul is saying in these verses. Paul is saying basically in these verses, there is no such thing as absolute freedom. There is no such thing as absolute freedom. You will find freedom, Paul is saying, in whom you are a, or, or what you are a slave to. You will find freedom if you are having the right master rather than the wrong master. If you have the wrong master, there will be no freedom. But if you have true, the, the, if you have the right master, you're the slave to the right master, then you will have freedom. It's, it's a strange paradox for a lot of people. Because when we think of freedom and we think about what freedom is and think about what we want as far as freedom goes, we think about being absolutely free from any constraint, any control, any direction. We just choose it ourselves and we do it ourselves. And Paul is going to make clear in this passage that, that Brother Frank read just a little bit ago for us in the hearing of the word that no human is, to, is free to do everything he or she may want to do. In this life, or at any time. There, there's no being in all the universe, save one, that has absolute, total freedom. And that, of course, is God Himself. He is an absolutely free being, but, but all others are limited or enslaved by someone or by something. I mean, we can see that clearly in, in physical limitations. Uh, I can't run as far as Todd can, Pastor Todd can. I can't even run, you know, so, so I'm limited. I'm not free to go out and run a 50K like he does or whatever he runs. I'm not free to do that because if I do it, I die, period. That, that's the bottom line. I'm not free to do that. I may want to. I may, I may have this desire within my bones to just go out and run, but, but a 68-year-old man can't do that, who hadn't prepared for it for many, many years. So I'm limited in what I can do physically. I'm limited in what I can do mentally or intellectually. I mean, you know, we all like to think we're probably close to being the smartest person in the world, but I've come to realize I'm not. I know I can't do brain surgery or I can't do rocket science or I... Man, I, I couldn't even do calculus in college. I had to drop it. Happiest day of my life was when I dropped calculus, I think. Turn that is, we're all limited. But Paul is wanting us to see here in this passage that we are limited or we are free by who we are a slave to because we will all be slaves. I love how Paul opens many of his letters. He says, I, Paul, an apostle and a doulos of Jesus Christ. Now, we clean that up in most of our translations and make it a servant or a, a bond servant or, or something along those lines. But the reality is, when the apostle Paul writes that and says, I am a doulos of Jesus Christ, the word doulos has no other meaning but slave. And I know in our context, in our con uh, context and understanding of, of our history and everything, Slavery has a very negative connotation. I know that. 
But I want you to understand, you will never understand Christianity. You will never understand what it means to walk with Christ in fullness and in freedom until you learn what the Apostle Paul is talking about in this passage about being a slave. You are most free when you are a slave to the right person or the right thing. So Paul writes in verse 14 from last week. I'll I'll start there. He said, you know, he said, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Now, now that is that is shocking the sensibilities of those who are hearing this and reading this. They're, they're thinking, wait a minute, that, that doesn't make sense. Sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under law but under grace. It seems to me like if you're under law, sin would be limited, but under grace it's set free. Paul says, what then are we to sin since we are, because we are no longer under law but under grace? By no means. Right back to chapter 6, verse 1, where Paul is saying, you, my, his enemies are accusing him of saying, if you preach grace, then people are just going to go out and say, I love Jesus and sin like the devil because they're going to be under grace, not under the law. You've got to keep that law tied around them. Paul says, may it never be. When, when I was a young pastor, that was a long time ago, but when I was a young pastor, there were two men that had a great impact on my, my life and my theology. Well, there were really three, but I'm just going, uh, three of them. S. Lewis Johnson, John MacArthur, and and a guy named Ray Stedman. Ray is now with the Lord, as is S. Lewis Johnson. But I remember hearing Ray Stedman preach. He was pastor of Peninsula Bible Church in Palo Alto, California. And I, I remember hearing him preach one time, and he was preaching on this text, as a matter of fact. And he said, you know, when I was in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago, I was walking down one of the, the boulevards there. I don't know what, which one he was on. I don't remember that. But he said, as I was walking along, I I meet a guy who had one of these sandwich boards on his shoulders. You've seen those before. Sometimes they're advertised in a restaurant or or some coming event or something. But he said, I was was walking down the street, and this guy had this sandwich board on. And said, as I got closer to him, I read on that sandwich board what he had written there. And he said, I am a slave to Christ. And Ray admitted he looked a little eccentric. But he said, I am a slave to Christ. And he's walking in Los Angeles, California, down the street with that on. And as, as Ray passed him by, he didn't say anything to him. We preachers are notorious for that. We, we don't want to be considered too radically Christian, you know. And, and he's walking along and said, as he, as he passed him by, he couldn't help but turn around and look at him just to see where he was going. And said, on the other side of that sandwich board, one side said, I'm a slave to Christ. The other side says, whose slave are you? I'm a slave to Christ. Whose slave are you? It's a legitimate question. That's a question the Apostle Paul wants us to consider here. That's exactly the point of this passage that we're looking at this morning in verses 15 through 19. It's exactly what Paul wants us to understand. Since you're human beings and not God, you'll never be totally free. You'll never be totally autonomous. I will never be totally autonomous. We must either be a slave to sin or a slave to Christ. That's the point the apostle is making. What what then? What about this? Are we to sin because we're no longer under law but under grace? By no means. 
Then he gets back into this idea of presenting yourself again. Presenting yourself. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Now, wait a minute, Paul. You just got through saying that we're not under law, but we're under grace. And, and are we not to understand that obedience is a part of the law, and, and, and obedience has no place in grace, for crying out loud. We can't obey grace. Grace is just sort of a general nice thing out there. We, you know, we're glad to have grace, but it's law that really causes, our, uh, calls us to obedience. And if we're not under law, how can you say that we've got to obey? Are we obedient slaves? Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? What Paul is doing in the second half of this chapter, this sixth chapter, is to draw out the logic of our conversion. To say, if you're truly converted, if you've truly come to Christ, if you are truly in Christ, then think about this. Ponder this. Meditate on this. One person, you, me, it's not a mass thing but it's an individual thing. It's not a private thing, and it's not to be shared with others, but it is a deeply personal thing that cannot be done for you by someone else, or you can't do it for anybody else. It's a matter of, of you. It's a matter of me. It's a matter of what are you going to do with this. Paul starts out with a principle in verse 16. He says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey? Either sin, which leads to death, or obedience, obedience to grace, obedience to conversion, obedience to a changed life, which leads to righteousness. The, the principle that he's presenting there very clearly is that self-surrender leads to slavery. The Romans understood that. The Romans were a conquering people. And the Romans recognized that when their armies went out and they conquered a city or they conquered a nation or they, they, they conquered a people, that those who fought them usually died. Those who self-surrendered became slaves. Just, just part of what it was. They were taken back and made slaves, made indentured servants, made slaves to those who conquered them. Paul is saying here that if you are in Christ, if, there's a, if a work of grace has taken place in your life in reality and completely, then you need to understand that you have been conquered by the one who is a worthy master. But it goes beyond saying, I've been conquered, I've been, I've been won by him. To say, I want to submit to Him. I want to self-surrender to Him. 
In reality, if you look at verses 17 and 18, Paul says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. Basically, he's saying the application here, this this concept of of self-surrender and slavery, the application is conversion involves an exchange of slaveries. You were once, you were once slaves of sin, but you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness, slaves of Christ covered in his righteousness that's what he's saying you you used to be slaves to sin you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted in 17b and, and now you've been set free from that slavery to sin in order that you might self surrender to slavery to Christ as your master as your lord as the one who has called you and directs you and changes your life daily that's what Paul is saying Paul is saying, this is, this is serious business. This is, this is important, he says. Hear me. We have, we have grown up in a day of what my friend used to call churchianity. Not Christianity. Churchianity. He would say, you know, what we've caught up in is we, we think we're really good people because we're involved in church. We, we think we're, we're okay because, you know, we come to church. But churchianity is a institutionalized thing. Christianity is a walk, is a slavery, is a submission. Not just one day a week, not just one hour on that one day a week, not just for for a little while on that day, and maybe again on Wednesday night for a few minutes, but it's, it's, a real, it's a lifetime experience of submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Paul says, if you, I love how he puts there in verse 17, but thanks be to God. He, he uses that a lot in Romans, and he'll use it later on in this book. Thanks be to God for what he has done in your life, in rescuing you out of the slavery to sin and the slavery to Satan and even the slavery to self and has set you free in slavery to righteousness to Jesus Christ. There is no absolute freedom. There is no absolute autonomy. It all develops in an understanding of what slaveries really are. And, and he even says in verse 19, he said, now I want you to understand, I'm speaking to you in human terms. It's an analogy. Paul says, when I talk about being a slave, you've got to understand it in human terms, but it's far greater than the human terms can ever express. And he says in verse 19, I, I'm speaking to you in human terms because of your natural limitations. And we all have natural limitations. I've already talked about that. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, 
leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. I meant to check this out to be sure what I was about to say is true. I didn't check it out this morning. But I think that's the first time Paul really uses the word sanctification in this book. I may be wrong, but I've preached it pretty thoroughly for the last year and a half. And I think that's the first time he uses sanctification. Here's how sanctification takes place. It is a work of God. It is a work of Christ, just like justification is. It's, it's Christ working in you, but it's something that you are a participant in by presenting yourselves, presenting your members to righteousness, to Christ. Putting yourself in the place where, it need, where you need to be for the glory of God. I, I sort of butchered an illustration last week because I didn't have a hammer with me, but I, I mentioned about hammers an instrument and 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 I kind of laughed and said you know our, one of our surgeons Mike SeaTac could take that and and do surgery with it by taking the claw and, but that's not what it's made for if, if if I went to the surgical room said here Mike use this he would say no that's not what that hammer is for but now if you want to build a house take the hammer to the carpenter and the carpenter can take that hammer and drive nails and pull nails out and do all sorts of things with it that will, will be beneficial and will build the house. And, and Paul is just simply saying here in the same way, you can present yourselves to, to, to sin, you can, you can give in to that, you can fall for that all you want to, but I'm telling you, if you are converted, if you are in Christ, then that will be a minor part of your life because you will concentrate on obedience from the heart Presenting yourselves to Christ for righteousness' sake. He's not talking about legalism here. Not talking about saying, oh, I gotta keep a score here and be sure I get more good deeds than I do sins. I gotta, I gotta the legalist hated Paul. He's also not saying be a libertarian here and say, Oh, well, I'm under grace, so I can do whatever I want to do because God has to forgive me because I'm under grace. He says, No, no, that, that misses the point too. You're not antinomian and you're not legalistic. You're in Christ. And you're called to present yourselves, present your members as instruments of righteousness for the glory of God. Paul says this is so utterly important. This is what it means to walk with Christ. That's what it means to, to wear the placard on our, our shoulders as Stedman, Ray Stedman talked about the guy in L.A. I'm a slave of Christ. Whose slave are you? As Paul saying we'll all be slaves to something. Now understand, when he talks about are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace, when he, when he talks about to sin all through this chapter and really all through this book, He's not talking about a, an individual one sin, one time that I fall into or commit even willfully. But he's talking about, are, are, you, are we to still continue in a besetting sin? Are we still to continue in something that controls our life? Are, are we still to, to live in a way that is dishonoring to Christ and 
And, and Paul says, may it never be. Heavens, no, by no means. Because as we have sung beautifully this morning in singing of my Redeemer whose blood purchased me, as we sang about you know, praising the name of the Lord our God who gave His only begotten Son that we might have life. I mean, stakes are too high. And He's worthy to be worshipped. Worthy to be worshipped. We bow before Him as we thank Him even for making us His slaves. As we self-surrender ourselves to Him who, who died on a cross to redeem us and, and paid that price. And are we to say, now Lord, I appreciate you paying the price, appreciate you dying for me, appreciate you forgiving me of my sin and, all that, and, and I'll get back with you when I'm Ready to die. Paul says, no. It's not just a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life. Yeah. Slavery to sin leads to death. And to be captivated by sin and a slave to sin shows that that the conversion, the regeneration, the new life has not happened. Paul says, be very careful here. Be very diligent here to find true freedom in Christ Jesus. I've used the illustration before and you know it well. You think about something that goes not far from here every day. You're going by. Sometimes it stops you because you have to stop at the tracks. But the train that goes down the tracks, train is, train is the most confined thing in all the world, isn't it? At least if it's going to be effective, it is. It's on those tracks, and as long as it stays on the tracks, it can go wherever it can. As long as the tracks are there. If the conductor decides, I'm smarter than these people who laid tracks, I'm going to cut out across that field. Bogs down. Train is most free when it's on the limitations of the track. We are most free when we are walking in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not under law walking under His authority, walking under His grace, walking under His love. And being diligent to present ourselves as instruments of righteousness, our members. And you say, okay, Bill, you've said that a hundred times the last two weeks. How do you do that? It means you concentrate on what He has told us to do as far as ministry to one another. It means you legitimately put yourself in, in the place of ministry, whether it's 
inside the body or whether it's outward, the upward and outward emphasis we've had now for, for this year that will continue till December 31st. And we'll talk about it even after that, I'm sure. But, but the idea of you present yourselves as instruments of righteousness by saying, Lord, how do you want to use me in this situation? With a neighbor, with a family member, with a friend, with a co-worker, doesn't matter. Somebody who's hurting, how can I minister to them in their grief? So, somebody that's lost, how do I minister to them with the gospel? I'm not a, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a professional Christian. How do I share the gospel with them? Friend, that ought to come naturally if you're in Christ. It's not a matter of having all the logistics down, all the right answers down. It's just being able to say, to begin with, let me tell you what Christ has done in my life. And then take them to the Word. Presenting yourselves, presenting your members as instruments of righteousness in His name for His glory. Let's pray.